0: Good morning. I don't know if you know this or not, but we actually have 160 middle school and high school students on winter retreat this weekend uh, up in the mountains. Isn't that awesome? And you can clap for them, but you should double clap for the 52 adults who are serving that weekend. Uh, incredible. Just incredible. Well, if you don't know me, uh, good morning. My name's Devin Tharp. I serve as the family pastor here at Good Shepherd.
1: And I'm Tia Tharp, and as you can probably guess by that last name, Devin and I are married. I'm the executive director of Brightside Youth Ranch, where we help kids who are dealing with crisis and trauma by partnering them with a mentor and a horse and pointing them to Jesus. Devin and I have two teenagers. They're awesome, and they're on Winter Retreat right now, so we can't wait to hear their stories. And we serve together in the marriage ministry here at Good Shepherd as part of the... that beautiful marriage movement, it would help if I'd know what we call there it. There is a better marriage <laughs> network, but that's But that's the beautiful it. marriage movement is the specific one I'm talking about today. But we're really excited to be standing here in front of you today.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we realize, you know, with a series that's all about love and marriage and relationships, it might be helpful for us to share as a couple about how the Lord has worked in and through our lives and specifically in our marriage in the area of conflict. And the the title of the message today is is Secrets of Lasting Love. Our subtitle is How to Have Conflict Without Killing Each Other. So uh, you're going to learn a lot about us in the next few minutes. But before we get to all that, we want to turn to Scripture because we want you to be ready to read the Scripture when we're ready. And so if you got your Bibles, whether it's on your phone or whether you actually have a Bible with you, uh, we're going to be looking at Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25 in just a few moments. And as you turn there, just wanna remind you what we believe about the scriptures here at Good Shepherd. And what I'm about to share, some of you might be like, I don't agree with you. I don't believe that yet. Hey, that's okay. We're really glad that you're here with us today. But we just wanna be clear in leadership of this church about what we believe about God's word. Because we know the Bible is actually not a book. It is a library. It contains 66 books written by a lot of authors over a long span of time. And we believe in leadership that the Bible is inspired by God, that it's eternal and that it's true. So whenever we get ready to read it here at Good Shepherd, we have this habit and custom, we love to lift it up. And it's our way to simply acknowledge that we don't have life figured out, but we know the one who does, and we're looking to him for guidance and direction. Amen? Amen. One other thing we'd love to do is we'd love to pray. If you pray for us as you pray with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you for who you are, for what you've done as we just sang a few moments ago. God, we pray in these moments that we would decrease and that you would increase, that you'd use our words and more specifically, God, your word of truth to communicate something, a truth that can be uh, transformational in our lives, inspiring and changing in our relationships. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
1: Well, as Devin mentioned, we are sharing about conflict this morning and we've, we're getting close to our 25th anniversary. And in that time, we've had a few disagreements and arguments.
0: Yeah, that's an understatement. We, uh, uh, we I remember the first year of marriage, we one evening we decided to have a little bit of fun and play a game of Risk. And I don't know if you've ever played Risk, uh, the board game, but, you know, in Risk, it's a game of world domination. And so you build up your armies, and as you build up your armies, you go into battle with your opponent, hopefully obliterate them, and then rule the world. And so that's kind of the goal. One thing you should know about T and I both is we are both pretty fierce competitors. And so we built up our armies over the course of three evenings, okay? Each evening we played, and we built up these giant armies, and then we went into battle with each other. And let me just tell you, it did not end well. We ended up in a screaming match, yelling about who was going to win and who was wrong and, and all of that. We had, ended up having this big uh, kind of fight about risk, you know, a game that was supposed to bring fun and entertainment to our evening. And so that's how it ended. And, you know, I, I look back on that now and I realize, you know, we, we, we obviously since then, we have never played risk again. <laughs> um, but even though we have n- haven't ever played risk again, we have definitely over the years built up our opinions. Built up our mental ammunition, and we have gone into battle with each other again and again and again. Uh, so much so, we even had conflict when we were preparing this message about conflict. So, we we have conflict a lot. It is a, a steady part of our marriage and our r- relationship together. And God has worked in and through that over the years. And I look around the room, and I see some of you nodding your heads because you're married and you've had conflict and tension in your own marriages. You know what that's like. Some of you grew up in a home where there was a lot of fighting and a lot of argument, and maybe even today, your extended family, it's just wrought with a lot of conflict. And so you can relate to exactly what we're talking about. Some of you here, just this past week, you're, you're in a little tiff and have tension with a coworker, with a friend. I mean, just this morning, you were thinking about how to respond to that person. Conflict is all around us. And we've all felt the hurt and the heartache that comes with conflict. And so kind of laying the groundwork as we launch into this, I think we can all agree on this truth. Conflict is inevitable. Conflict is inevitable. I mean, if you have a relationship with another human being, there's a 100% chance there's gonna be conflict in the near future.
1: Very true, but there is a silver lining because even healthy relationships have conflict. That means if you're experiencing conflict with a spouse or a loved one, a friend, that can be a sign of health because it's an opportunity for us to grow. So the question isn't if we're going to have conflict, it's when. And if when is true, then how do we handle it well? Because if we handle conflict poorly, we know that that hurts us it hurts that other person, and it can leave lasting damage in our relationships. So how can we handle conflict in a way that's gonna make our relationships better? Yeah.
0: Well, Paul, the pastor, the missionary, the author, uh, he was certainly no stranger to conflict. He had a lot of conflict personally, and then he also dealt with conflict in some of the churches that he planted in the New Testament. And if you know anything about the New Testament, Paul it wrote most of the New Testament, and a lot of those were letters that he was writing to churches. And one of those churches was in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus had some struggles, they had some issues. And so, of course, just like Paul, I love Paul, he's willing to go in and say, let's deal with the issues that you're having. Now, here's the thing, the, the Ephesians were having issues with each other. They, they were having conflict amongst the, the church members. Now, I'm sure none of us can relate to that, right? We've never had conflict with another church member, of course not, but in, in Ephesians, they were having conflict. And this is what I love about the scriptures. Because when we get ready to read the scriptures, we're talking about real people. Real people in real time and real space who dealt with real problems. The same problems that you and I are still dealing with today. And so Paul gets ready to share in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 25, some words of wisdom about relational tension. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Paul says, put off falsehood, speak truthfully. Earlier in this very chapter in verse 15, he says, speak the truth in love. Now we know that when a biblical author repeats themselves, it's kind of like a giant spotlight saying, hey, pay attention to this. Don't miss this because this is vitally important. And so Paul here is trying to convey that as followers of Jesus, as Christians, our lives are meant to be marked by the truth. We are meant to be controlled by the truth. And that's what he wanted for this group of Christians in Ephesus. He wanted their lives to be controlled literally by the truth. And he wants them to build community and connection. And he knows if there's falsehood, if there's projected images, if there's a sense of posing with each other, that that's only gonna deteriorate trust and relationships. But when there's the truth, when we speak the truth in love, that breaks down walls. It opens up opportunity. It builds relationships and it builds trust. See, lying is the oldest way to hide the truth. If you remember back in the beginning of, of the Bible in Genesis, you had Adam and Eve who were made by God, and then they sin against God. And the very first thing they do is they go and they hide. They hide away from him. Even still in the New Testament, when the early church was formed, in Acts chapter 5, we get recorded the very first sin that happened in the early church. It was the sin of lying. Lying is a deceptive act. So anytime that we lie, anytime we have a pretense or we project an image of ourselves that just isn't true, we know that that ultimately hurts relationships. And lying is a work of the enemy. And so when we speak truth, when we discover the truth, when we're willing to step into the truth, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's when God is really at work in our relationships together. And a person who tries to project something, you know, an image about themselves that isn't true, a person who tries to pose, you know what we call that? We call that pretending, right? And we did it when we were little kids. We pretend. And the Ephesian church here, they're doing some pretending. And Paul is not gonna put up with it. He calls them out. He says, look, stop pretending, Stop lying to each other. Stop living falsely. Let's step into the truth and let's deal with these issues. And it's so interesting. This was written so long ago to people just like you and me, and yet the truths of what they're dealing with are exactly what you and I are dealing with because we are the same way. In our marriages, we pretend. There's so many times we pretend that nothing's wrong even though something is definitely wrong. In our friendships, We wanna bring something up with a friend, but we're worried about how how that might go, the hard conversation. We wanna avoid the conflict, avoid the confrontation, and so we don't say anything. And sometimes we're so good at deceiving that we actually deceive ourselves because we start to convince ourselves, ah, you know what, it's better if we don't bring up this truth. It's better if we don't actually talk about the giant elephant in the room. It's better for us, it's better for our relationship, but we all know that's not true. Because if there's an issue in a relationship, we oftentimes wanna sweep it under the proverbial rug. And We know that eventually that truth is going to come out. And even if it doesn't come out immediately, what can easily happen is it can form bitterness and resentment in our heart towards the other person. But the truth, the truth changes everything. The truth brings something out from underneath that rug, it brings it into the light, it allows us to see it for what it is, and it invites God to do what only he can do, to deal with that problem, to clean it up for good.
1: And our natural bent is to hide, so if we've made a poor decision, if we've messed up, if we have a bad habit, we don't want the world to see that mess, so we hide it away. We hide our addictions, our purchases, sometimes we even hide our true feelings, And that deception isn't always malicious, because sometimes we're doing it out of self-preservation, out of fear, because we are afraid. We're afraid of what our spouse or our friend is gonna think or say, or how they're gonna respond. But that division, that deception can sow seeds of division. And as we saw in Ephesians, that division can give the devil a foothold. And Satan would love to bring division into your marriages, because he'd love to bring them to an end. And he would love to bring division in your friendships because he'd love to isolate you from community. Mm -hmm. We are master pretenders. We know how to hide that stuff. We know how to put up that pretense. And it's hard to pull that down and be real and raw with somebody else. But Jesus is telling us through Paul's words here, stop pretending. Stop hiding. Stop avoiding. Stop sweeping it under the rug. Let's bring it out into the light and deal with it.
0: Well, Paul continues in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I recently had a small remodeling project in my home, and I learned a really valuable truth. Maybe some of you have been there too. Ripping something out, tearing something apart, that's really easy to do. But rebuilding something, like actually redesigning it, recreating it, that takes skill. Uh, And sometimes a friend who knows what they're doing, because I didn't, uh, after I ripped everything out. And the same is true in conflict. We have conflict with somebody else. It's easy to tear somebody down. It's easy to attack them personally, to attack their character. It's easy to assume that they're an enemy that's coming at us. And yet Paul's words here are, "We're, we're not here to tear other people down. We're here to build other people up. We're here to encourage each other. And it's hard because we have a hard time in those moments of conflict when we have tension. It's hard to want to discern that somebody else might have good intentions, even if their intentions might hurt us. It's hard to put ourselves out of our own shoes and put ourselves in their shoes and go, what's their point of view in this fight or in this argument or in this conflict that we're having? But Paul is encouraging us take those steps towards seeing somebody as an opportunity to build them up, not just to tear them down. Because when we do that difficult work of building somebody else up, what we discover is we might actually find out they're not that much different than we are. They might have pure motives, pure intentions, but maybe their method just happened to clash with ours.
1: And we all respond to conflict in different ways. And some of us find ourselves reacting the same way over and over again. And that's because our brains have developed this default pattern of behavior. So our minds like to take the path of least resistance and create like these little shortcuts and just do what we've done before. So if we want to do something different, if we want to lift our loved ones up rather than tear them down, we're going to have to create new patterns of behavior. And that's going to involve changing our perspective. And so when we lift our loved ones up, that's encouraging them, yes, but it's also putting our relationship with them in a more positive light. And when we do that again and again and again, that's how we create that new pattern, that new shortcut in our brain, and that's gonna affect how we view everything. That applies to marriages, it applies to friendships, because if I have a friend that I have an argument with, if I pick apart something in her and see something that I don't agree with, then that can kind of go down this path of negativity and affect my view of her. But if I start to lift her up, to encourage her, not only does that change that moment and help her, it also helps me have a whole different view of that relationship.
0: Well, Paul continues in chapter four, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. I kinda love that Paul puts this in here because I don't know about you, but when I'm in conflict with somebody else, I do not lead with kindness and compassion. I typically lead with anger, resentment, frustration. Those are all easy. Those are my lead dogs, typically. But Paul here is saying, no, 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 your approach is way wrong. You've gotta lead with kindness and compassion. Man, that changes your approach to that person. It changes how you might uh, have a conversation with them. Put yourself in their shoes and changes your perspective. But then Paul really lowers the boom. Not only be kind and compassionate to one another, but forgiving each other. Man, forgiveness is powerful, but it it can be hard. Because sometimes we are in conflict with somebody else because they have done something or said something that's been hurtful to us. And so you've probably heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people. When somebody hurts us, they cause us pain. Our natural bent, the natural progression is to take that pain and put put that hurt on somebody else, to let it out on somebody else, to just redirect it. And Paul here is saying, that's not the path you wanna take because when we, when we um, struggle with that, when we have those conflicts and, and we struggle with the idea of forgiveness, it's partially because we bristle against forgiveness because we feel like we're not being uh, served with justice. Because we want justice, we want retribution, we want revenge. But when we go down those pathways, eventually all that leads to is bitterness in us. That's all that really happens. It ends up only negatively impacting us but forgiveness changes everything. Because forgiveness is welcoming in the kindness that God extended to us, and it's extending it to somebody else. It's a willingness to say to them, you don't owe me anything. And when we extend forgiveness to somebody else, it actually brings freedom to us. Sometimes we think forgiveness is about the other person. It might be, but it, forgiveness greatly benefits ourselves.
1: And some of you might be thinking, how? How can I forgive? You don't know what that other person has done to me. You don't know the pain that I'm carrying in my heart. And I don't. I don't know your situation. And I don't know what you might be going through. That makes it really hard to think about forgiveness. But when we hold on to unforgiveness, it eats us alive from the inside out. So let's take a look at verse 32 again. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know your story. But I do know what each one of us has done to God the Father with our own willfulness and our disobedience. And yet Christ extends forgiveness to us. And he asks us to forgive each other. And he can help us. He can empower us to do what feels like impossible, to forgive our spouse or our friend. Mm
0: So here's what we want you to know this morning, Good Shepherd, based on Ephesians chapter four and the wisdom that's there, is that in relationships, Jesus empowers us to stop pretending, to start encouraging, and to continually forgive. You see, Jesus wants us to have relationships that are thriving, that are healthy, that are moving in the right direction. And when he does that, he enables us to to stop avoiding conflict, but to face the truth. He empowers us in those moments to start encouraging. We might be people that are constantly tearing other people down, but Jesus can give us the power to build other people up. And in moments when somebody does hurt us, when they put pain into our own lives, Jesus gives us the power to extend forgiveness, to continually forgive, even if it's somebody who hurts us again and again and again in the same way. Jesus can do that in our relationships. But in order to get there, We've, we've got to be vulnerable. We've got to be open and authentic. We've got to allow God to show us who we really are, what we're really struggling with. We've got to stop pretending.
1: So back when Devin and I were first married, he was in seminary and I was working. I was teaching riding lessons and training horses. And now that you know a little bit more about me, it probably makes a little bit of sense. And I was also doing some things personally. I was riding and showing. And I got to the point that I wanted to jump bigger fences and show at a higher level. So that meant I needed a new horse. And some women start a new job or go on a trip and they need a handbag or an outfit. I needed a horse. (laughs) (laughs) And so Devin and I talked about it. It was something that we agreed upon. So we started this process of looking for the right one. And we looked and we looked and we found one. Felt like it was a great fit. Problem was, he was really, really expensive. And rather than waiting on Devin and talking it through with him, I did not want that moment to slide by. So I went ahead and bought the horse without his permission or talking it through. I didn't need his permission, but without talking to him about it. And um, I guess I didn't need to permission.
0: <laughs> back here making faces.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Some habits are still lingering, I guess. Uh, but the problem was what I did to buy that horse is I took the money that he was saving for seminary. Yeah, it gets worse because I took the money... <laughs> <laughs> there's no redeeming quality in this moment in this story so the money that his great-aunt had left him she passed away she left it for him specifically to use in seminary to follow the call that God had placed on his life I took that and I bought the horse and then once the sale was done and the horse was in my name The horse was there, so I had to tell Devin about him. I couldn't just pretend he didn't exist. And so then I had to realize I had to own my mess and I had to go talk to him and I was terrified. So I was so scared of how he was gonna respond. I thought he was gonna be upset and angry. And then I thought I'd ruin our marriage forever. I just really wasn't sure how this was gonna go at all. And being vulnerable is so hard. It's so hard to own our mess and so hard to be real about our struggles. And I can't promise that the person that you go go to about your mess is gonna respond in the same way that Devin did, because Devin was angry and upset at first, as he should be, but he also offered forgiveness and grace. I mean, we're standing here together today, because (laughs) he did. (laughs) And, um, And I'm so grateful for that, and that may not be how that other person responds, but we still have to do the right thing. We still have to be vulnerable, and that can lead to a deeper connection and understanding in our relationships.
0: Just another nugget of wisdom. There is no such thing as an inexpensive horse. (laughs) Just saying, just saying.
1: Some are more expensive than
0: others. (laughs) Jesus empowers us. Stop pretending, start encouraging, and continually forgive. And Not only only do we have to stop pretending and face the problem, but we also need to change our perspective of the other person. And that means we got to start lifting them up, building them up, because when we use different words, It changes our mindset. It changes how we view that person. And over the course of 24 years being married, of course, we've made a lot of mistakes in our marriage. And by the grace of God, a few times we've learned some valuable lessons along the way. And I remember early on in our marriage, one of the boundaries uh, that we ended up putting in place uh, as a result of learning a lesson uh, was that we were not gonna speak negatively about each other in public. See, early on in our marriage, we'd been with some friends, and uh, we were just laughing, joking, carrying on, and and we said something to the other person that was hurtful, that caused us to have division and conflict. And after that, we were like, you know what? We don't don't need to be about that. I mean, Paul's words in Ephesians 4.29, this is practical wisdom that really works. And so we realized we need to be about building each other up, not tearing each other down. And so we had this blanket general rule. In public, with other people, we will not speak negatively about each other. Now, a few times we veered off that path and we had to offer forgiveness to the other person. But for the most part, we have stuck to that rule. And I think back now, I mean, that's been a couple decades ago, (laughs) and I recognize how much conflict have we avoided as a result of that boundary. I mean, there are so many times, I, I still remember to this day, you know, it's amazing how when you put a boundary in place, it's kind of like a guardrail mentally uh, in your life. And I remember being with friends or being with other guys and, you know, maybe they're saying something negative about somebody else or even their own wives. And, you know, I'm, I'm just itching in that moment. Like, I'm going to say, I'm going to cut, I'm going to point out one of Tia's flaws. But then, like, the Holy Spirit would catch me right in that moment and go, nope, 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 nope. That's not what we do we don't speak negatively about each other in public. And God would just push that that guardrail up and remind me that's not who we're gonna be. And it's just amazing now to think back over 24 years and go, wow, how many arguments have we avoided because of that? How much hurt and conflict has been avoided because we had that boundary in place that we were gonna be about building each other up, not tearing each other down?
1: And as we were talking about this whole owning our mess and going to the other person and asking for forgiveness, that makes sense when it's on us and we have to own it. But what about when someone else has hurt us? What about if it's our spouse or our friend? And how do we continually forgive when it's them, especially if they do it over and over again? And that's where it's important to remember what biblical forgiveness is and what it isn't. Forgiveness is not condoning, it's not excusing, it's not dismissing sins, because God certainly doesn't do any of that. Forgiveness, true forgiveness, is trusting God for justice. Mm -hmm. It's trusting him to be our defender, him to be our protector, and for him to handle that injustice on our behalf. And when we do that, forgiveness can be so freeing because our relationships are no longer defined by pain, but by Jesus' sacrifice and God's love.
0: Mm -hmm. And just imagine how our relationships would change if we stopped pretending, we stopped posing, we stopped projecting who we want people to see us as and if we were really authentic and real. Imagine if as followers of Jesus, we were like, you know what, God, we want you to control us with the truth. And we don't wanna avoid conflict anymore. We're willing to face the problems. I mean, just think about your own marriages right now for a moment, for those of you who are married, how would your marriage change if you stopped pretending Because there's probably something there. You don't want to talk about it. You just avoid it. But Imagine if you were willing to say, no, we're going to face that problem. We're going to face it together. How would your marriage change? How would your friendships change? Or maybe family relationships. How would those be different if you stopped avoiding conflict and you talked about the elephant in the room and you actually dealt with it? Imagine if we were people that also were building each other up all the time. I mean, imagine your workplace as how it might be different if you were the person that were known to always encourage other people. You're just always building other people up, always giving them accolades and attaboys and just always being that encourager. How would your workplace relationships change as a result of that? And imagine if, when somebody does hurt us, maybe it's a hurt that they've done before and they do it again and again. We have the willingness to extend forgiveness, not because we're great forgivers, but because we know the great forgiver. And he extends his forgiveness to us again and again and again. And so we are able to extend forgiveness to other people. Imagine how our relationships would change. And I think about that individually in our marriages and our friendships, but I also think about it corporately because we wanna be the kind of church where we, we don't welcome pretenders and posers, we welcome people to come here and be authentic and real, to bring your mess, to come on Sunday morning and say, I'm a mess. My life is a mess. And without Jesus, I am nothing. Imagine if as as a church, corporately, we're just always building each other up, lifting each other up, praying for each other, constantly giving ourselves a pat on the back going, keep going after Jesus, keep living for him. And imagine as a church that we're a place of constant forgiveness. When we hurt each other, when other people hurt us, we're just dulling out forgiveness because God has given it to us. Imagine how we as a church could welcome in people from our culture that are looking for a place that's real, a place that encourages, a place that extends forgiveness. That's the kind of church Jesus desires us to be because he empowers us in our relationships to stop pretending, to start encouraging, and to continually forgive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for who you are, for your goodness, Lord. We thank you, Lord, as we sang earlier, for what you have done in our lives, in our marriages, in our family relationships. But God, we know you're not done You have more work to do. You want us to be authentic and real. You want us to have opportunities to speak life and truth and encouragement into the lives of those around us. And God, for those times when people do bring hurt and bring pain, help us, Lord, to extend the same forgiveness that you've extended to us, to them. Help us, Lord, to be examples of great forgivers. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for who you are, for how you're working in our lives and through our lives. And we invite you to do more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.